Today, we explore the missionary's place in Hawaii history. Joining us in our studio this morning are missionary descendants who've had a part in this theater video production. Our studio guests are Marion Mercero. She's a playwright and a descendant of the Lyman family. And Braley Hirose Holbert, um, a cast member uh, of the production and a descendant of the Gulick family. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. And then joining us by phone is Terry Madden. She's the founder and executive director of Playbuilders of Hawaii Theater Company. Hi, Terry. Aloha, Catherine. Thanks so much for having us. Well, I am so uh, excited to be doing this. Uh, I did see the production online and uh, lots to talk about. Uh, but, you know, Terry, why don't we start out? Can you explain to our listeners who Playbuilders is and how long you've been around? Sure. So Playbuilders is celebrating its 10th birthday, and we are a very small company, um, and our discipline is called either community performance or community collaborative. Uh, sometimes it's known as applied. But we take the words, we, we collect stories uh, from the community, and we partner with organizations, in this case, um, uh, Hawaiian Mission Houses, um, but we've worked with other organizations like Catholic Charities and um, uh, the, uh, the Foster Care Training Committee, among others. And our mission is to gather and share real stories that resonate with, empower, and connect the many culturally diverse communities here in Hawaii. And then this project with the uh, um, uh, Mission Houses, uh I don't know, Marion, if you want to t talk about, you know, how it came to be and then the, the storyline that you worked in. Sure. Uh, so several years ago, before I retired, uh, Terry asked me uh, what I thought of the film The Descendants. She asked me if yes. I'd seen it. And uh, Cowie Hart Hemmings was a former student. And I said, well, it didn't speak to me about Descendants, really. Um, I liked the film. And uh, she said would you like to write a play about the descendants? And I said, well, I'm, I'm working full time now, Terry. Get back to me when I retire, <laughs> which should be soon. And I think it was probably two years later, uh, she kept track somehow, <laughs> or I saw her, and uh, she wanted to get going on the project. And the more she told me about how uh, play builders worked, uh, the more interesting it seemed to me. So that's sort of how it came about. And then, uh, I don't know, Braley, if you want to maybe just mention how, I guess, the story unfolds, or the, who were the characters that kind of, um, uh, you know, share, share with the listeners or bring the, 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 the viewers uh, in to that story. Mm. Well, um, I thought it was really interesting how Marion engages with contemporary descendants, and then they are essentially kind of speaking with um, and around their, the apparitions of their actual ancestors. Yes, because this is a ghost movie. story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's even how, you know, uh, Terry, like building that community, the play builders, we would have story circles. And this was when I was working down at the Hawaii Mission Houses. Um, so it was kind of, we'd just get around during lunch and um, descendants would come and we would kind of just talk story about the, I guess, descendant experience out here in Hawaii. And that's really how, what Marion weaved that into um, a play. And so, Terry, uh, what was it like then, uh, you know, getting this group together and, and launching this when you were going to do it as a, the as a theater production? 
It, it was a great experience uh, working with Hawaiian Mission Houses. And then uh, later, uh, yes, we, we had planned to do it as a play. And, of course, it was very disappointing. But we um, connected and started, began work with Jeff Oreg of Oreg Entertainment, who is a wonderful local film uh, maker. And we also were able to partner with the Pa'i Foundation, uh, with Kumu Vicky Holt Takamine. And it just, because we had the team together, we had like Elizabeth Wickman Walzak and Mark Branner, who um, took the play and incorporated it into a screenplay. Um, it, just, it just came together so well. It felt like it was always meant to be. And then, Marion, talk about, you know, um, how you had the two characters, right? Kimo and Malia kind of introduced this. So, so the theatrical conceit, if you will, <laughs> uh, is that Malia and Kimo are grad students, and they're going to go on a tour. Uh, Malia's sort of being coerced a little bit by Kimo uh, to do a tour of the Hawaiian Mission Houses. So originally, when it was just going to be a play, it was just going to be on a mound at the Hawaiian Mission Houses, and then... Uh, we did a tour of the houses one day with Mike Smola, and then and we did that with Jeff Ori, the film director. And then the idea came instead of, as Mark Branner said, this isn't national theater. We can't just film a play. We need to turn it into a film. And so that's when Mark started writing uh, Mike into the film to create it as a screenplay so that Malia and Kimo are going into the actual rooms of these 200-year-old edifices that Braley actually used to lead tours uh, in as well. You know, I, I have to say, um, and, and I don't know who did your lighting, but I was impressed, and the lighting was wonderful because I come from a, a TV background, and, you know, I, I, I w first I wasn't sure. I thought, oh, is this just going to be a wide shot of all the actors kind of just walking around? Yeah. But um, nice production values. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, that would be Jeff. <laughs> yes, and so uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it, it was enjoyable uh, to see. Uh, you know, and I can imagine what it was like as, as a theater production. But then just to to jump on the screen, it it, it was uh, uh, very nice as a just as a viewer. Uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, yeah, and in the beginning, you know, they w were being uh, they were clearing everything with me in terms of shifting the script and everything. And they were doing such a good job after a while. I was just saying, carry on. <laughs> doing great. Well, it, it is interesting. And, and, you know, as you explore the themes in, in this film, um, I think it's important for our listeners just to get a, a feel for what we're talking about. And we're, we're going to be playing a, an excerpt from uh, Nancy Beadle. She's a, a, a descendant of the Levi Chamberlain family, a missionary. My name is Nancy, and I'm a Levi Chamberlain descendant. There are times I go to a store or at a bus stop, and someone will ask me where I'm from, and I'll tell them that I'm from here. And often they'll say, you can't be, but I am. And I look at them before I say my history. And when I feel it safe, I'll say, I am a missionary descendant. If I don't feel it safe, I don't mention that. But I do mention that I do have Hawaiian because I do. I wonder if my descendant ever mentions 
that that house, known as the Chamberlain House, was our family home. I also wonder about these misconceptions she speaks of. Maybe this has something to do with why our graves have recently been vandalized. I certainly have evidence that we were appreciated here. I kept the record of all the food the Ali'i gave us. And if there is any doubt as to our being welcome, the record clearly shows that the Ali'i supplied us well in our physical needs, much as we endeavored to supply them well in their spiritual needs. As far back as I can remember, we have learned about Levi and Mariah Chamberlain. And I've known about the, the uh, Chamberlain house, the, the mission grounds. Actually, my grandfather was born in that house. His father was born in a grass hut on the property. And it's always been like it's our home. When we've gone there, it's like it's our home. Hmm. You know, and the Mission House, uh, I know, uh, has a following of fans uh, for their Pupu Theater production, you know, bringing those stories to life with these uh, local actors. And, and uh, you know, we were just listening to a, a descendant and her uh, missionary, I guess, uh, one of the founders, ancestor. Uh, and, and that's basically what this film does. It's, it's you've got this little ghost story and then you've got the the current day uh, stories from the descendants. Um, if you're just joining us, uh, we have in our studio today playwright Marion Lyman Mercero and Braley Hiroshi Hubert, who's a cast member. Both are descendants from missionaries. And we have Terry Madden. She's the executive director of Playbuilders of, of Hawaii. And uh, we're inviting you to join our conversation today. Uh, you can do that by calling 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And Terry, you just rolled out uh, this production online. Can you talk about that? Um, uh, yes. I, I've been told that this is a very unique way of presenting programming online um, because if you just put it online as on Facebook, uh, it's very difficult to uh, recoup any of your expenses. We're really uh, fortunate that the National Endowment of the Arts and the Cook and Atherton Foundations um, covered um, much of our expenses, but it's still not 100%. So, um, yeah, so we went, I, I decided to treat our website as if it is a theater itself. And so people click it to playbuilders.org, and then they just click on the orange button that will take you to the ticketing um, platform, which is on the stage.org. And it's worked out pretty well, I think. And I think people have enjoyed it. They can watch it anytime uh, during a 24-hour period of their choice until uh, June 30th. Um, so they can rewind, fast forward, watch it more than once during a 24-hour period. Yes, and, uh, you know, we did uh, 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 get a snippet uh, from the curator of public programs over there at the Mission House historic site, uh, Mike Simola. Um, here's what he had to say about the film. 
I think that the film does a really good job of connecting present day views of sort of the general public or general perceptions of the public of the relationship between the missionaries and the elite and also the archival materials that were mined for the portrayals of the Hawaiian elite and the missionary ghost characters in the film. When the missionaries are reciting letter of journal entries, those are the real journal and letter entries. When the Ali'i speak in the film, they're quoting directly from Ali'i letters there in the Hawaiian Mission House's archives. And I also think that it does a really good job of examining several different narratives in the film through the dialogue of Kimo and Malia, examining sort of that common perceptions of the missionaries in the Ali'i, and also the views of the missionary descendants themselves and what they thought of their ancestors. I think this film will be a great source for people looking to examine the issue of the, the relationship between the missionaries and the Ali'i uh, with a modern eye. And Marion, talk about uh, your perspective as a descendant <laughs> with the Lyman family. Very interesting. You know, when we were workshopping uh, the play, somebody said, who, who are Malia and Kimo? And I said, um, they're my head. <laughs> There's a, you know, the conflict of being a missionary descendant, and, and you'll hear that in the film from various uh, descendants, in particular uh, Martha Morgan. And uh, she actually spoke to uh, something that I felt like come the 70s, come the Hawaiian Renaissance, all of a sudden the word missionary uh, had, had an adjective in front of it that usually was evil. Um, and so being a missionary descendant and having pride in that fact, uh, because they were educators, my family, the Hilo boarding school, and being an educator, and there's actually a lot of teachers in the family, you know, it sort of runs through our DNA. So uh, there, but there is that, you know, we heard so often they came to do good and they did well, that sort of gets into your head and it was sort of what Braley spoke to uh, in her opening uh, piece, uh, talking about how Hawaiians didn't need to be saved. And I think that would be a good place to go. So talk about your experience, Braley. Um, well, my experience as a missionary descendant was essentially like showing up once a year down there to like stand up and say, hey, you're a Gulick. <laughs> and when I say down there, like showing up to the site that is the... Hawaiian Mission Houses Historic Site and Archives. Um, and, you know, I guess even at, before this show started, when we were speaking about my father didn't know he was a missionary descendant until he came to the Hawaiian Islands after he met my mom up in Colorado. Um, and so that sense of uh, ancestral claiming, right? Or, you know, I didn't grow up with it. I didn't grow up with that kind of reverence for being a missionary um, and and <laughs> my my perspective I think is really kind of born out of um, that juxtaposition of irreverence and then kind of coming to history um, in my own way you know through my own life yeah cause it imagine it's kind of a journey of discovery right and maybe I don't know identity crisis you're trying to figure out you know, where, where is my place in history? Oh, well, I think in that, that conception of belonging, right? You know, that's brought up in the play. And, like, right, do missionaries, um, yeah, a sense of 
being a part of a community and one's impact in a community, you know, whether, you know, intentions aside um, is a really interesting conversation to have today. And that's that's also part of the um, what I was really struck by in the play and speaking in those story circles was the sense of and right bringing up Martha mm-hmm. and her um, a conflation of time and a simplification of truths. Um, I thought that was really I mean to hear her perspective on um, the Native Hawaiian Renaissance and right the 70s because that's also happening right that's happening with Black Power, Black Liberation. That's also happening with the American Indian Movement. Aim. So Asians. absolutely the Asian American experience. Um, so to it, it always kind of struck me as one of those weird tensions that we're going to talk about this continued presence here, right? We're, we quite literally have a society of children. That's even Luther Halsey Gulick, um, which um, that's where I'm descendant from. He starts the Hawaiian Mission Children's Society after he comes back. Um, <laughs> we're going to place this emphasis on our ancestors but at the same time, it feels like we're not going to engage with all of them, right? It's this weird periodization of when the missionaries were here and what they did in a very specific time, and we're not going to talk about other descendants. And that was very much the perspective that I brought to the story circles, right? Where it was kind of like, well, we're going to talk about 1820 to 1863, and even not, not necessarily even that, 1820 to maybe 1848, and then we're kind of just going to scuttle everything else for a later date. I was like, wow, that seems a little. And actually, Braley coached narrow. me in that direction. She said, she said, go 1820 to 1840. Don't go after 1840. I said, and I, I hadn't done much of my research at that well, point. And I just was like, well, why not? Because NTLM, the story circles actually got kind of tense because yes. I was right. It, you Like if you. That's where you have a discussion of dispossession. And dispossession is something that is very much a contemporary component. And that was something that I was always kind of like, mm, you know, right? It's like we're, that's even why I very much um, kind of stepped away from the project initially was because it was, this was, it was a space where it felt like descendants of a different generation were speaking to their experience. And that's what I mean, I, I'm in there in the very beginning it's me and what apparently very much in the script is my girl Malia. <laughs> she yeah. and I are sharing perspectives. Yeah. And the rest of the play movie is um, engaging with that those initial ideas. So yeah. it got kind of got t- intense for a while then. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, like because I mean that's a right. Nancy Beetle like you know and, and her experience you know that and, and it's. And again, maybe it is that I grew up with this lack of reverence for it, right? That her her grandfather was born in that house. You but know? It's, there's may, a generational thing, too. May I say something? Too. I'm sorry, may I? Yes, no. Terry. Go, mm-hmm. Terry, go. Okay. Um, um, Marion and I worked very closely together in the beginning in organizing these story circles. And Braley's um, input, and that's why I've asked that she come and join us today, was a uh, very... Um, very important point of view. The uh, Braley is a seventh generation descendant. Uh, Marion is fifth generation. And I think we even 
Did we have fourth generation in, depicted in the film, Marion? I don't think anybody was quite that. Ye, quite no. like Joan. Um, I thought she was a generation. Um, oh, maybe, maybe. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. So anyway, we have uh, from like age 27, 28 to uh, I think close to 100 depicted on these Zoomed videos that are actually from their homes or from the nursing home that they're currently living in. And the, the o older ones felt that history was not totally being um, uh, depicted accurately uh, when talking about missionaries in general. Like sometimes they felt that the uh, original missionaries that came in that time period that Braley just mentioned have been kind of thrown under the bus when it's not been, uh, it's not commonly known that uh, the white man, the whalers, the traders had been here for 40 years before the missionaries arrived and that 71% of the Hawaiian population had already died. Right, had, because had, of disease. Had died from diseases mm -hmm. um, before they arrived. And uh, But what I like about what Braley had to say was that, okay, does that matter? Um, and and, and the, the, the communication is uh, around this subject is just so rich and deep, and that's why this isn't going to be the only conversation we have. Right. We are going to partner with Hawaiian organizations. We are going to, I've already talked to Will Kahele about writing the Hawaiian play, um, and so that this isn't the end of the discussion, that we can continue. Um, but yes, there have been a lot of hurt feelings uh, in, in about those original missionaries by the older generation and people who know that there were sacrifices made in the beginning. And as Braley said, it, they were well-intentioned. Um, right, but yeah, at the so. same time, I guess you want to correct the record if there's misconceptions and they're trying to blame the missionaries for, uh, you know, uh, the disease that that uh, that hit the Native population here. So set the record straight, I guess, maybe, uh, is it, one way to look at it. Right. And it, that's what, when Playbuilders goes into a community like this, we don't have a preconceived notion of what's going to be said. Uh, I'm not a missionary descendant, so I, I had no clue of their point of view. Um, so, yeah, but the other point, and I think Mike Smola mentions this, are the documents the, uh, that are from the Ali'i themselves. And one thing that I learned from this project is that the, uh, the, the Ali'i were not passive in this. If you, we just went through COVID, so you can imagine if 71% of our population had died, how desperate they would have been to find help anywhere. And I, I, they wanted, not just, they wanted like, for an example, uh, I, I'm going to stop because I'll mess it up, but um, Marion knows the history better than I do. But when the Bible was translated, it wasn't just the missionaries who translated it. it they had to do that with Hawaiians. They did not know how to speak um, 
Hawaiian uh, all that well when they arrived. They learned on the ship coming over. Okay, we're going to have you hold that thought, and we will discuss that, but I've got to take a break. (laughs) But this is the conversation on Hawaii Public Radio, and you can join our discussion today by calling 1-877-941-3689. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this short break. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from Kadena and Company Investment Advisors, dedicated to protecting clients' assets in financial markets, whether stable or volatile, for more than 41 years. C-A-D-I-N-H-A dot com. Three months into the job, Attorney General Merrick Garland is shaping the Justice Department. From the ballot box... We are scrutinizing new laws that seek to curb voter access... ...to fighting domestic terrorism. We are focused on violence, not on ideology. What is Garland's vision of justice? That's on the next On Point. Beginning this afternoon at 2, following the world... This morning we are talking about a theater slash uh, film production entitled Open Your Hearts Wide. Uh, It examines the uh, place of the missionaries here in Hawaii history. And the film has uh, gotten some uh, really good feedback. Uh, Here's Hilo High School uh, teacher Angela Nakamura uh, sharing about her experience uh, using this as part of her curriculum. Aloha. My name is Angie Nakamura and I am currently a summer school teacher at Hilo High School and I am teaching Modern History of Hawaii as a credit recovery course. Open Your Hearts Wide is a great resource to show them a different perspective on the impact of missionaries on Hawaii. Oftentimes, missionaries and missionary descendants get vilified for their role in Hawaiian history. There's the old adage of they came here to do good and they did well, right? But that is an oversimplification. And this film really makes it very clear that the actions of the few should not discount the actions of the many that came before them. I think it has a great message and it shows a different perspective from what I think a lot of people, especially those who are born and raised here, the kind of story that gets passed down among our families. So I think it is a very important resource because as we are people who study history, we need to realize there is always more than one side to the story. And oftentimes in Hawaiian history, we hear one side and we don't necessarily get to hear the other side often unless we look for it ourselves. So I think this resource is very important to present that other side to people. And, you know, I think um, as a journalist, you know, you always look for, for both sides of the story. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you find out that it's not always black and white, that there's this gray area. Uh, I don't know. You want to talk about that, Marian? Well, you know, I, w- I interviewed uh, Puakea Nogelmeyer and, and John Yasuda, who are very much involved in translating uh, the newspapers now. There were over 100, and we were the most literate nation 
uh, except for Scotland with 90-something percent, you know, literacy. And that's when these newspapers just, just went. That's uh, Braley actually speaks about that in the film. But one of the things that uh, these kids who are working with Puakea um, and I want to say Avaya Ulu, Avaya Ulu, I think is is his his organization uh, that is doing the translation. Um, I remember listening to them talk about what they had gleaned from the translations they had done, and there's still more to do. But they said, you know, I was so surprised because my understanding was that these missionaries got off the boat barking orders saying, put on your clothes, no more surfing, no more hula. And by saying that, um, you're not giving the ali'i any agency and uh, letting them make the choice that they're looking at these people who have gotten off the boat and they are not whalers and they are not traders. They're a whole different, they brought their women with and um, they aren't offering us trinkets and rum and whatever, they are a different set of people. And maybe we'll keep an eye on these people and see what they have to offer us. And, uh, you know, Ka'ahumanu really, you know, it's it's very clear in, in the play film that, uh, you know, she was a very shrewd woman and she knew what she wanted out of these missionaries. And it was the literacy, she wanted the palapala and in the process, uh, became converted. And you have to, you know, the, the Aikapu was uh, abolished just before the missionaries arrived, which of course they would have thought was providential. Um, but Liho Liho also makes it clear, I want you to know that this happened before you even came. We did this on our own. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, well, I, I love that you explore, you know, those uh, themes of the Ali'i and religion and their place in all this, you know, as we learn more about uh, uh, Queen Liliuokalani and, and, and just some of the the nuances, you know, with the church and the the politics at the time. And, and it, it is interesting, you know, because we talked earlier about, you know, going to the source material and finding out what really happened and not how it's been maybe misinterpreted or, or uh, uh, you know, just to break those, those st the misconceptions, I guess, is, is important. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think uh, it, it might be good at this point to, to play a, a part here, another big excerpt from the film where Kimo and Malia are speaking with Ali'i, Liho Liho, uh, in both Hawaiian and English. Since you didn't mention his name, the mystical thing going happen, and he can tell us actually what he went right. He went, he went actually right. Like, like, whoa, whoa. King Liho Liho. Hi. This is what I wrote. Ikuala au ko mako ikumanava mamu. Ikumako kane mamu. Yo ifune. Arere au kikuala au. A little Kokuan translation, Your Majesty? Ke'ololo'oi? Quite simply. I wrote to the mission board at the Kapu Wasp before they arrived. 
Even though there is still some kahuna la ulapa'a when alma pua for ohana. And of course, Ula just went underground. Anything else? Aole. Mahalo nui loa. Mo'i. And we got some reaction from Dita Ramia Ripun. She's a retired Punahou librarian who currently works as a part-time librarian at Liholiho Elementary School. It was amazing. I loved, I loved the Olalo Hawaii and the Olalo Noel. I enjoyed the actors playing the missionary uh, visiting ghosts and the beautiful Ali'i and their mana'o. The Young Hawaiians debate is is really a story in itself. It's a story that's layered and needs a lot of discernment and compassion. That that was so interesting, the intersection of the modern thought and the descendant stories and the historical primary documents. All of this left me thinking about how life is filled uh, with so much ambiguity. so much to unpack. I think what the film is saying at the end is that what we need now is love and understanding uh, versus fear and anger. I would love to see this film go into schools to spark discussion and further debate. Mahalo to everyone that worked on this amazing piece for the historical record. And Marion, you know, you're an educator, so yeah, to have this then resource uh, for everyone to use. Yeah, well, and because uh, I have spent 40-some years as an educator, it is a very didactic <laughs> film, uh, but I, I have a hard time not, not being a teacher <laughs> and a coach which I was for Braley back in the oh, day. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, your experience, Braley, you know, as being part of this film and then working there at the Mission House Museum, you know, after you found out, right, that you're a descendant? Oh, oh yeah, sorry. And I, I, I knew I was a descendant growing up. Mm-hmm. My Yeah, my dad just when he arrived out here. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't kind of a revelation being down there. But that's even, um, you know, my job as school program coordinator. And this, you know... <laughs> I used to sit in Bishop Library all the time with Mrs. Rambler. Um, uh, <laughs> that to me is, and, and when she brings up modern thought, right, as, as being a school program coordinator down there, I would facilitate um, all the school programs with, uh, the majority of them were with Title I students um, who were receiving admissions. Their admissions were covered um, by a grant and aid. And I would juxtapose facilitating tours and school programs for those um, Title I students with essentially running, um, you know, cruise ship tours. And so that component of education and, again, that modern thought, how, you know, that this is going to, this movie is going to enter praxis, right? Like, it's really interesting to me because it doesn't seem to engage with hegemony in any sense and whiteness at all, um, right, if we're going to talk about critical race theory, right, and, you know, people are kind of up in arms that that's going to be in class, right, that, right, if critical race theory is essentially an educational framework to describe and engage with systemic racism in the, in the United States, you know, I think this 
play and why I really enjoy Terry's vision of continuing the conversation into a multiplicity is because this this plays um, play movie is uh, is by white people essentially for white people. I mean, you can. I get Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs> I yeah. get Coco. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and but again, right? That that I feel like doesn't really that shouldn't obfuscate the fact that right these missionaries you are coming, they are coming with right. You even mentioned that my my ancestor would be surprised to know. Um, that his descendant doesn't really engage with the benefits of Christian civilization. Um, and I think that that's, that's something very worthy of bringing up because the I feel like this play movie kind of establishes a binary, you know, as saying like, hey, like not all these missionaries were bad. You know, like we're placed in a position to say like, oh, well, do you think literacy is bad? Even Kimo's like, oh, Malia, you think education's bad? And it's like, well, no, education is not bad. But um, how you teach and the is how you teach is very impactful. And so two books that I actually think people would be very palatable to kind of engage with these kind of concepts would be um, Long Journeys Home by Nick Bellatoni. It's about the repatriation of the bones of Henry Opukahaia and Albert Afraid of Hawk. And he speaks directly from Cornwall, right? He is he is disinterring these bones to be returned to their ancestors in Connecticut. And it's, I'll try and circle back here. But what I'm speaking to is the fact that this, the foreign mission schools and the, the ideological frameworks that these missionaries are coming with, it's, one of bestowing, right? Bestowing a civilization. And it's all well and good until you have a conversation, until, until we have the benefit of hindsight and looking at there you go. what the actual product of those ideologies are. And then what's the second book? Um, the second book would actually be uh, What Hath God Wrought? by Daniel Walker Ho. Um, and so that's a history of kind of the transformation that the United States goes through from about, he his time period is kind of like 1812 to 1850, about 1848. And so those two men are kind of speaking to the fact that in, especially during the Jacksonian age, right, you're talking about something, you're talking about in the North, a sense of cultural homogeneity versus white supremacy. And we should mention for our listeners who haven't seen uh, the play or the film, uh, that the two characters, uh, Malia and Kimo, are of color, <laughs> right? So it, it kind of uh, brings people in that way uh, into the story of the mission uh, houses and to explore that with an open mind and an and open heart, yeah. I think. And, well, especially what Dita Rambler says about um, fear and anger. You know, I would say that there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear around Native Hawaiian anger and it's anger, right? So it, that juxtaposition of fear and anger, right? It, I feel like fear is a natural product of, you know, when one's hegemony is being challenged, you know? And anger, anger 
especially aboriginal indigenous anger is an anger born out of the deep love that is cultural resilience and cultural resistance you know so for the right and missionaries as descendants it's like we should be open to acknowledging our own fear and to acknowledging that anger born from love and i think we got to remember historical context though right Mm. um so we've got these people arriving in 1820 we're talking 30 years after the signing Mm -hmm. of the u.s constitution yep they're coming into a culture that is basically a feudal system right Mm. Yeah, very hierarchical. Well, see, I, I, and I'm saying, mm, I think, it, uh, I don't know, I mean, I guess it's just I'm kind of maybe tossing out references here, but I think a great book to very much engage with those conceptions of, you know, Ka'ahumanu's agency, the uh, Native Hawaiians being a feudal society, um, is Dr. Noelani's or Dr. Arista. Arista's book, yes. The Kingdom and the Republic. Yes, I got a lot of um, ideas from that. You know, while we're talking mm. about books, I know that the. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Mission House Museum, I think, just published the uh, diaries of David Forbes uh, and, and the history of uh, the missionaries, you know, here in the islands. And uh, I took part in a, uh, uh, a lecture series recently with Ron Williams from the State Archives, and he was just talking about, yeah, uh, uh, David Forbes probably knows the stuff down there at the archives better than anybody. He's poured over those documents, and he's been able to assemble this history in this book uh, but I know Ron had said, you know, uh, but there's also the Hawaiian side, you know, the, uh, from the Hawaiian sources, like you mentioned, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, they're working on now, you know, collecting and interpreting and uh, not interpreting, but um, translating uh, the Hawaiian newspapers and all the Hawaiian documents that show a different perspective. I don't know. It, it yeah, I, I just don't like to think of the Hawaiians as exploited, mm-hmm. as the ali'i, as having been exploited, I, I have more <laughs> respect for mm-hmm. them. I, okay, I, I guess that's, is that like kind of a, a specific slice and dice that should be stated? Um, that, right, I, I think like establishing, you know, cultural hegemony through systems of education and is not a dismissal of Native Hawaiian Ali's agency in any way, right? That you see them step for step after, right? After you're talking about, right? That Native Hawaiians, that, right? Since Captain Cook arrival, he gets stuck on the map. Earl of Sandwich gets to name the archipelago, right? You, you have Native Hawaiian Ali'i who are trying to negotiate societal cataclysm, right? And step for step, they are engaging with foreign presence absorbing those ideas and trying to even trying the, right to to become acknowledged by the imperial powers right there's that one painting and it's mm. some it's queen victoria's it's like a lesser gem um it's one of her you know celebrations of her coronation but queen Liliu is right there she's in the picture and so this these these are monarchs who are are present on the highest stage right the highest international stage and Again, it's like a lack of, I feel like, to speak about cultural dispossession and to speak about, you know, the products of cultural dispossession in our contemporary time, um, it's not, it's, we're still like missing an asymmetry of power dynamic, right? That these Native Hawaiians are very much, they know 
their finite space and they are trying to negotiate these bigger and these bigger powers that it's not a dismissal of agency or exploitation it's it's very much a testament to what they had to work through what they had to work with exactly and and, and yeah terry jump in here because i know you've had to navigate all this bra you can uh, say yeah, that more simply yeah, I, I can tell, you know, this, <laughs> oh, yeah. this subject matter is very sensitive and to me, the reason why I do this kind of work and I want to bring people together is that we need to start hearing each other as, and talking to each other as human beings. And when, once we can do that, once we can simply say, well, this is my opinion, that's why it's like the missionary descendants in this one had 100% of the floor. And it's why in the next um, uh, play we do, or depending on what the uh, National Endowment for the Arts allows us, I don't even know if they'll allow us to make another film um, without COVID, but that the, the Hawaiians will have 100% of the floor to state their uh, opinion. You mentioned and then, that. And then the third one, we bring these two groups together. And it is a difficult conversation. Boy, there were times I went home and, you know, I felt like people were, were afraid. You know, not everybody, but there were a couple that definitely uh, were unsure about opening up and, and sharing their thoughts with the community at large. But one point that I would like to mention, they're not just missionary descendants. They are part of our community. And they... Yeah, if we we have so much going on, we've learned over the last you know Trump years about how um, how uh, difficult it can be for us to communicate with one another. But I think here in Hawaii we have a really good chance with our sense of aloha um, that yes, we can all learn. We all need to learn. We all need to understand. Uh, but it's all really, in the end, about relationships for Hawaii. It, we, we are so small here. Mm -hmm. And to truly come to a point where we are at least opening our ears to hear one another, then I think we would have, we will have set our, met our goal here with this project with these projects that we are about to embark on as well. Let's take a listen to uh, what Mike Smola, uh, the curator, had to say. How does this film, Open Your Hearts Wide, fit in with the Hawaiian mission houses? Well, I think it fits in really well by using our archival materials, which are open to the public for anyone to look at and read and see and access, either through uh, in-person or our digital online collections. I also think that it fits in with this, with the goal of the Hawaii Mission House is to examine different narratives and to bring forth those different narratives in a public history program or film like this one. I mean, the relationship between the elite and the missionaries from the 1820s through about the early to mid 1850s was actually a fairly cooperative one. So if you 
go back and read the archive these elite letters and the missionary letters and journals where they talk about their relationships with the elite you find that this was a very cooperative relationship during this period and that the goals of the missionaries and the goals of the elite are very much in a number of ways lined up with each other and then where they did line up they did cooperate and work together for the good of the people now in the in the mid-1850s, that relationship begins to change as the goals of the elite and the goals of the rulers of Hawaii and the government of Hawaii, their goals start diverging from the goals of the mission. And so beginning in the mid-1850s, that relationship begins to kind of strain and break down a bit as the goals of the mission and the goals of the Hawaiian kingdom diverge during that period. But if you look at the archival materials in this 1820s to 1840s period, you look at people like William Richards, who was asked by the king to teach a class on political economy. And he did. He taught a seminar that was put together in a book called No Ke Kalai Aina on political economy. He also was asked to be an advisor to the king, was later the superintendent of public instruction. And you look at the goal of literacy, for example, where, the, of course, the missionaries want the Hawaiian people to learn to read and write so they can read scripture and convert to Christianity. So there he kind of lays it out, you know, sums up. And I don't know, Terry, we're, we're almost out of time, but anything you want to just add uh, for our listeners out there? Well, I just want to thank everybody who has participated in this project, especially Braley and, and Marion and, and all the descendants, because this was uh, not an easy thing for them to do. Um, um, but um, I, I really think that the film is really, really good. Um, I think Jeff Org and the uh, three directors, um, Mark Branner, Marion, I'm sorry, uh, Elizabeth Wickman Waldzak, and Kumu Vicky uh, Holt Takamine, did an amazing job. 27 local actors, 19 descendants. It's a unique project that I don't think we could ever do again it's it's worth seeing okay and then uh this is available again until the 30th um until the 30th by going to playbuilders.org uh hitting the orange purchase <laughs> ticket button and uh, going it'll take you to the uh land if you have any questions just email info at playbuilders.org and we'll help okay. you through it all right we've got like less than a minute left i don't know final thoughts here mary well, i totally appreciate braley and her very strident, wonderful attitude, because that is a very important voice to be heard. And she was like the first one I got in to the play, and it helped me shape the Malia and Kimo characters. Because my parents had us late, you know, my sister and I. And so I'm when I talk to NTLM, like my mom, same class in high school, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm speaking to my parents when we speak about these relationships and this intergenerational conversation yep. that I'm sitting around. And when we're talking about the 70s, <laughs> right, when we're talking about today, okay. like that, that's why okay. these things are hard. Well, and we, it's exciting. These are hard conversations and we're going to hold you to it, Terry. Two more. <laughs> well, we'd like to thank our guests, Rayleigh Hirose Holbert. Terry Madden and Marion Lyman Mercero. And we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. Playbuilders of Hawaii Theater Company has extended the run, as you mentioned, to June 30th because the response has been so positive. Please go to playbuilders.org for additional info about the cast, the creation of the film, or to find out how you can watch the film online. Uh, 
you know, you can send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org or listen back on the uh, on our website, hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.